welcome everyone to our Budget Insights podcast. I'm Martin Shah. I'm a corporate tax partner based in our London office, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Andy Hartwell, our Client Insights lead. And we're just going to be providing um, some brief feedback in the aftermath of the autumn budget on where we see the um, opportunities and where we see potentially some of the risks and threats lying. So, Andy, um, we've obviously seen quite a muted reaction in the financial markets to the mm-hmm. Chancellor's statement on the um, budget day. Um, what's your take on the market feedback and where things might be going? Yeah, thanks, Martin. Um, yeah, you're right, absolutely. And in fact, you would have thought that um, given the significance of the autumn budget statement coming along, alongside and at the same time as um, a spending review, one of the three-year roughly spending reviews in the United Kingdom, that there was huge potential for change and to shift the dial um, yesterday in the budget. Um, in fact, financial markets were remarkably sanguine about the whole thing. FTSE 100 hardly moved whilst the Chancellor was speaking, similarly gilt yields um, and also sterling. And even if you back up a, a week or so, given the amount of the amount of trailing there had been of particular measures uh, in the budget um, long before it was delivered, even over that period, financial markets largely undisturbed. So not a great big reaction from those uh, as yet uh, so far. And I think that points to some of the challenges inherent in the assumptions that underlay uh, that budget. Okay, and, and on those assumptions, you know, what, what really are those threats to what the Chancellor has sort of predicted, you know, both, I suppose, in the shorter term and also look, looking at the longer term. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's start with the good news. Um, so, the good news was that growth forecasts for the current year, 2021, were revised upwards. Um, and growth forecasts for 2022 are still pretty robust at 6%. And that combination um, of GDP growth Uh, being uh, one of the fastest in G7, um, created the headroom for the Chancellor to give an additional amount of spending commitments um, beyond those which he's already given. So that was the good news. But of course, they are predicated on those growth forecasts. And that's where I think the markets began to scratch their heads, because if you look beyond 2022 to 2023 and onwards, then the slowdown starts to gather pace quite dramatically so that you end up at 2% growth forecast in 2023 and then down to 1.3% growth um, in 2025, 2026. And it's not going to take an awful lot to blow that growth forecast off course. Already, the tax burden, uh, even on these growth assumptions, the tax burden by the end of this parliament is reckoned to be something around 36% of GDP, the highest number since Russia put its first satellite into space, Sputnik, 60 years ago. So not an awful lot of room for error. And, and in terms of what might impact, I guess we're looking at things like further lockdowns, yeah. maybe um, also. Yeah. Bank rate increases? Well, those are the two um, clear 
uh, worries in the short term, risks to those forecasts, anything that comes along to disturb those growth forecasts will, amongst other things, push that tax burden really pretty much close to Second World War levels, we have, which we haven't seen so far. The burden of that falling particularly on the corporate sector, by the way, uh, as well. So those short term risks in terms of the risks to growth, very much, as you say, anything to do with further lockdowns from COVID, there's talk of a new variant, Epsilon, um, likely to be designated in the near term. So watch that space. But 2022, uh, we're not done with COVID and COVID is not done with us uh, either, so it seems. Um, and then the second risk, of course, um, is monetary policy. Uh, interest rate increases. And if there is an over-aggressive response to the inflation spike, the risk is that this still fragile recovery is blown off course. So those two particular risks to the near term, COVID, further lockdowns, uh, and overly aggressive interest rate increases. And where, where does productivity fit into the equation? And is that also a factor which underpins some of the growth assumptions in the budget. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, in particular, productivity has underpinned the headroom that the Chancellor is now exploiting because productivity, um, the productivity measures have improved through the pandemic, which is a great thing. <laughs> but about half of the improvement in, the, in, in those measures came from companies which were weak finally failing and closing their doors for good. So probably inevitable, undoubtedly painful for the companies involved, but not something that you can hang your hat on as a trend for the future. And when you look at the trends, they're not encouraging. You know, the levels of overall productivity in the UK economy and in other developed uh, economies, the levels of productivity have flatlined since the global financial crisis 2008-2009. And I have to say that much as I wish productivity to improve steadily from here, it remains an ambition and some might say wishful thinking because there's nothing particularly within the budget mix that automatically says, yes, if, that, if they get that right, productivity should trend higher from here. There's very much a wait and see. Right. So despite some of the measures like lifelong learning, yeah. things like that, you're sort of sceptical at the moment as to whether well, those will actually sort of deliver the long-term changes I to productivity. But I, well, I, think, I think in a way, I don't know about sceptical so much. I mean, may, maybe maybe that is the word uh, as well. But I think it is, in, it's the word that you said on the tin, there. you know, lifelong learning. Absolutely right. And fabulous thing. And quite right too. But lifelong is lifelong. It takes a long time mm -hmm. to come through into those numbers. And whether they do in three years, four years, five years time, I find really quite doubtful yeah. um, to see. And that time frame is interesting because that's the sort of time frame when we anticipate another general election. Well, there's bound to be one yeah. at latest 2024. Um, the possibility increases that they will bring it forward to 2023. And it's going to be a very interesting challenge 
challenging background to that election decision as to whether or not we are still growing as we have been recently. The growth forecasts that we got um, on the assumptions in the budget are brought uh, to fruition or if something has blown those off course mm -hmm. and then the backdrop to the election will be the highest tax burden in the United Kingdom yeah. since the Second World to, War. To, to get the flat productivity and That's possibly that. some of these other uh, and threats like inflation coming home to roost. Uh, well, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and on that timing point, obviously, you know, we, we currently still have the fixed term Parliament Act. So do, do, mm. do we think that that's still sort of on track that that goes and then the election will get pulled forward from the May? Um, that, that, that I, yeah, that I think is most people's assumption. Yeah. Um, there's a bill kind of stalled in Parliament. It was, it was introduced uh, to Parliament before uh, the lockdown, before the pandemic started, necessarily and understandably it got stalled. Um, but it's kind of waiting there to be reactivated. Um, and most assumptions have been that you'll see it come through the House um, in 2022. So that would give the Prime Minister then again the ability to call an election at a time of his choosing. Yeah. And the optimum time may very given where the tax burden looks like going in 2024. Yeah. Maybe more optimum to bring it forward to 2023. Get, get elected and then uh, and de that, deal with the consequences. Yeah. Okay. Great. Indeed. So, uh, you know, I think overall we're looking at quite interesting times, which uh, can continue as ever. Um, but thank you very much, Andy, for oh, those cool. insights. And uh, mm. I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Martin.